This is the Unscripted Podcast. All right, today we're talking about you, your family. We're going to talk about squib loads and, and legacies. Yeah, absolutely. Squib loads and legacies. If you don't know what a squib load is, uh, just Google it right <laughs> quick. It's really dangerous. Really dangerous. Yep, today we're talking about the family. And so that's uh, that's you in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Guaranteed. Yep. And if so, you're here today, you were part of a family. If you're listening today, you were part of a family at some point. That's right. So, uh, how was your weekend, man? You know the um, some guys in the church, Wesley Skelton and his wife Denise and Joe and Aaron Wells started this. They went to this camp out in Oklahoma or somewhere a few years ago, and they're like, "Man, we got to do this here." And so they came back and they called us three or four years ago and said, "Hey, we're going to start this camp, and would y'all be interested in coming?" And we said, "Yeah, we'd we'd like to help you get it kind of going and everything." And the um, yeah, so that first year you went up there without a jacket and froze, Bob. I'm telling you, Bob. I mean, I, I mean, like I had we had just moved to Hattiesburg too. Yeah. And it was freezing. I remember the phone conversation. No, honey, just get me a just get me a hoodie. I'll be fine. Yeah, it's just Kentucky. <laughs> and and I, I Bob, it was 25 degrees the whole time, and we stayed outside the whole weekend. And and what was worse is Chris had a cold for three months. There was and and uh, like we hadn't even unboxed our stuff from moving here. Yeah, you know. And there was a little family in front of us. I mean, sweetest family in the world. And there's about six of them, right? And they're all like, they're all like nine months apart. You know what I mean? Right. They've got nine kids and, and their average age. We know some families like that. <laughs> right. And so they're sitting there and they're just skinny as a rail. Mm-hmm. And they're just, I mean, they're just like a bag of antlers, you know, and they're just freezing plumb to death. And I remember thinking like, I mean, I'm cold, but I ain't that kind of cold, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember taking because I'd got my blanket off my bed and put it on me, <laughs> and I done got it good and warm. And I, I remember taking it and wrapping it around all them youngins, <laughs> right. and I just saw them kids just kind of ball up and like, oh, I just can't believe how good this. So good. You know, how good this I'm place. getting some ninety-eight point six from that big boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just... and and all I had on was my hoodie and work britches. Right. So I'm up there with like a, a sweatshirt. And pajamas on, basically. Chris, Chris is sweating. <laughs> Freezing to death, but it was a good lesson. Yeah, and, so it's what, Legacy Family Camp East? Yep, yep, yep. And so we went back this year again, and uh, we had it a, you know, a couple years since then. And, you know, the the whole idea behind it is just like um, is, being, is being pointed and building a legacy, you know, with your family. What do you mean by that? So, you know, there's a – there's a biblical hope, and then there's a worldly hope. Maybe mm-hmm. I can describe it like this. I mean, it hadn't been described at the camp this way, but maybe this is a way of doing it. The world has a hope that if they put the if they get these odds in their favor, you know, like if um, so. So here's an example: the guys in the shop they used to do this thing when the lottery would get on up to. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't ever know what the number yeah, would be. Sixty of us gets in together, we'll have a better chance. Yes, we'll do sixty, and we'll all put in fifty dollars or something, mm-hmm. you know. And so we all, let's just say, we all buy three thousand dollars worth of tickets, right? In their mind, they're stacking the odds in their favor, but but when it's a one and one point seven billion chance, mm-hmm. 
At z- if you put zero, zero here, point zero 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 zero, and you put one point seven billion out right. here, three thousand is statistically so close to zero mm-hmm. that you're no closer to winning at buying one ticket than you are buying three thousand tickets. Right. So what happens is, excuse me, I'm fighting a little bit of still fighting this little bit of a cold, and this weekend didn't help much. But um, what happens is that the world looks at hope in the sense of like we got to figure out a way. That I can stack the odds, or maybe that if I do these things enough, then it'll then it'll then it'll uh, work out in my favor. You know, kind of used to way they give out scholarships. You remember they used to like you know the bear won a whole lot of championships, but one of the ways he won a whole lot of championship was that if somebody thought if he thought somebody would go somewhere else, he'd hand him a scholarship. Mm-hmm. So you can you make talking a, about that Alabama team that uh, that Tennessee beat a couple weeks ago. I am listen. Okay, yeah. There's going to be a lot of Georgia fans this weekend. I'm just going to tell you, there's going to be a lot, a lot of Georgia, and, I, and and it's because of Tennessee fans. I'm just going to tell you. I really think it's because no, you I really think, think you that, want, there's, that there's going to be a lot of uh, and at the time that this is recording, this is uh, when Georgia's number one and Tennessee's number two, and when they're fixing to play. So I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but I really think that a lot of Alabama fans are going to root for Tennessee so they can get the chance to to play them in the SEC championship. That that may go down, but I'm just going to tell you that's that'll that, they'll be living out that verse. They're their uh, their mouths draw near to me, but their hearts are far from me. <laughs> they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So, <laughs> so the the idea behind the camp get back to the camp and off that awful subject. And the, you brought up the bear. I just brought up truth. Let's present today. <laughs> well, I do know Ben told me last night. I know y'all carved pumpkins at the student center. Mm-hmm. Ben said he Beautiful carved the tea. ugliest pumpkin, and I said no. I guarantee you, Bob carved a T one. And he hey, was, that was Case's decision. And so, well, it still doesn't mean it won't the ugliest. Literally, one. it was the scariest pumpkin in all in all of Hattiesburg. Yeah, because the, what, the what we're scared team. of is that we're going to have to hear that the gloating for another week. The <laughs> another week. Hey, I have of been trash I have talking. been quiet and humble for fifteen years. You have not. Yes, I have. <laughs> you have not. None of y'all have. You've been saving it and storing it. You storing know, storing it. All that so, build up. Yeah, so it's coming out. But the um, so the idea behind the legacy camp is is that you know we can um, you can never biblical hope is hope with an expectation. Yeah, certain. Yeah, a certain expectation. You know, like Hebrews eleven seven. It says um, Noah, who being divinely warned of things to come, that means that he was told about things that were going to happen. Mm-hmm. Things yet yet not seen. Yet not seen. Right. You know, moved with godly fear. Moved with godly fear, preparing the ark. And condemn the world in unrighteousness and and saving of his uh yeah, saving of his household of his household. <laughs> so Noah builds the ark with an with an hope, with true biblical hope and true expecting biblical hope. that yep, what because, God said was going to happen. Yeah. So Noah had to build the ark. Noah had to do the things that God said in order to preserve his family. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. He saved his family. And so the idea of biblical hope is that I can do these things, and I can guarantee that I can have an expectation of the outcome. Now, does that mean that that everything's going to work out the way it's that the way I think it will in my mind? No. I mean, Hebrews 11 and 13, you know, God tells Abraham, Abraham, I need you to come out of your land. I need you to leave Ur. I need you to come follow uh, come over here to this place I'm going to give you and I'm going to make you a nation, I'm going to give you a land and I'm going to give you a seed promise. And and really Abraham got none of those things if you really like stack it up in the eyes of the world because 
Abraham had to buy the land to bury his wife in, in, in Canaan. So he never, you know, that's why verse 13 says, these, the people before, mm-hmm. having died in faith, never having obtained the promise. Well, you know, their hope was that they understood what the Lord wanted them to do, and they did what the Lord. So hope and faith are almost the same thing, but they're not. Hope is an understanding, and faith is the movement. So hope, Noah, by, you know, Noah saw that there was going to be a storm. There was going to be a, that Lord, the, you know, Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. And so he's going to destroy the earth. Well, Noah had never seen it rain, never, never had happened, they experienced these things, but Noah still had to listen to what God said. So Noah, build the ark. Okay, Lord, I'm going to build the ark. Because Noah, in his hope, knew that some point in the future, God was going to bring this torrential event upon the earth. So Noah just saw it. So his hope was in the ark, right? His hope was in the ark, but really his hope was in God. Right. Because what he did was what God told him to do. And so this legacy camp, the idea behind this is that if we're honest with ourselves, I just want to say this. Sometimes I say things and I, and it comes out mean. I don't mean them that way, but they do. And But if we're honest with ourselves in the church, the walls are broken and they're falling in. And, you know, when we've gotten to the point that we consider the church growing and we're baptizing our kids, and we're, we're putting that as a mark of faithfulness, we, we record the baptisms we've had that year and 13 of them have been our kids and two of them are people in the world. Well, out of those 13 kids, statistically only about three are going to stay faithful. The walls are broken and they're falling in. So somebody's got to be Nehemiah. Yeah, and and I, I, dude, that's where I just turned to. Um, Nehemiah 4, when they're when they're trying to build the walls and they, they get them half built and they're, they're, they're rebuilding this thing. And it says, so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them that they told us 10 times from whatever place you turn, they'll be upon us. And the... The, the challenge that was there. And so Nehemiah, he said, I look and arose and I said to the nobles and to the leaders and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And he says, you got to fight for them. Yeah. And and that's a and that, – so there's a, there's a huge breakdown in the in the American family, and I, I did print off some, some statistics that I think are relevant and um so why are you going to give the statistics for well one is to show um so many times people in society they think well this just it's just evil or they think uh what's evil whenever they see something like what what i want to show what the i believe that there's a there's a breakdown in america and of course that problem is sin but one of the biggest things is is most of our biggest challenges in america are because of broken homes and and so these statistics I'm going to tell you are are things that come about that we see in society as as horrible things, or challenging things, and really what it, the the root of it is because our houses aren't in line, our 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 families aren't lined up with 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 the way that that God would have them be lined up with, is that you got you got single mothers or you got um you got daddies who aren't present in their in their children's lives. And and so all that this is, is this is the outcome of it. This is the fruit of it. 
And and so so a broken home gives us fifty three percent of the teen moms, girls that start off being a mom when they're a teenager, half of them come from more than half of them come from a broken home. Sixty three percent of our youth suicides, broken homes. Seventy one percent of high school dropouts. Eighty five percent of youth who go to prison. Ninety percent of homeless or runaway children, broken homes. There are uh, boys without daddies. They they looked at seventy different metrics. Boys without daddies present. You mean without that? daddies present? Yeah, because right. they they yeah they had they had DNA. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just I'm trying to put this. Boys without fathers present. They are they measure far worse on more than seventy different metrics. Wow. Of course, you know this one. You you're the one who brought this to my attention. Today we're measuring suicides by what? First graders. Yeah. Eighty-two percent of our school shooters grew up for with dysfunctional families, without parents together for at least part of their lives. Then twenty-six out of twenty-seven deadliest mass shootings. Period. Not not just the schools, but twenty-six out of twenty-seven deadliest mass shooters in the U.S. came from fatherless homes. And so there's just there's just a ninety-five percent. Yeah, there, there's a huge there's a huge breakdown in. Um, so these statistics, really, what they do is they validate. Well, they tick me off. <laughs> well, they validate what we know. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I mean, like like what it does is it puts a statistic. It puts a statistic to something that we already know. But the problem yeah, we're not is, telling our listeners anything new. We're just uh, yeah, putting the, a number with it. That's right. The problem with it is then is that we see all these stinking components that come into play because of it. And yeah. So we got the killing, we got the 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 teen pregnancies, which you know, you know, these statistics right here don't cover sexually transmitted diseases. They no. don't cover, you know, rape and, rape, and all, all these, these things. things that come along with this stuff. Those are just hard back hard facts and i mean how how many more do we have to show and so yeah and so i want to i want to list about four things of reasons why our homes are breaking up so okay. this is that's the outcome of why of what happens from a broken home okay so here's here's why we're here's why we're breaking up tennessee fans yeah right yeah so no you know how loyal they are i mean we spit <laughs> like on a through, bad hunting dog i mean you i know, went we went through Dooley. <laughs> And that dude who come from Alabama and the Butch Jones brick by brick mess, all right, we went through it all. We're loyal. Okay, go ahead. Some we stayed them. around even when Kiffin ran away in the middle of the night. <laughs> Anyways, all right, there's some funny Tennessee jokes. All right, so only, uh, you know, Matthew 19 gives us a reason for, you know, for divorce, sexual immorality. Right. Only 20 to 40% uh, – of of, of uh, extramarital affairs are responsible for twenty to forty percent of the breakdown to, in today. Like we're getting divorced for whatever reason we want to. Only twenty so to forty percent are saying between they twenty ex- and forty percent are saying that that uh, they cheated on adultery. Me. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So financial. So when they polled these people, financial issues were listed as the last straw. Forty one percent said it was because of finances. That's why we get. That's why we gave up. The uh, the American Federation of Divorce Attorneys says that fifty percent of all divorces came from pornography. Um, 
and then you have a you have a an increased infidelity rate of more than three hundred percent if you're watching if you're viewing porn. Say that again. There you have a three hundred percent more likely chance to get divorced if you're viewing porn regularly. So pornography use increases marital infidelity rate by more than three hundred percent. All right, so 11 is the average age that the child is first exposed to pornography. 94% of our kids will see it by the age of 14. 47% of families in the U.S. report that pornography is a problem in their home. All right, so here's here's, here's the reason why people who got divorced, 65% of them said, said this is why, communication problems. So it didn't start with uh, infidelity. It didn't start with a financial problems it didn't but so it all starts with me but it's our communication that was really the the breakdown of it so two-thirds roughly and um and then this was followed by couples inability to resolve issues 43 percent that basically means we just couldn't get along we just couldn't get along and so um so that package what 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 do we do with this this package all right here here's here's an interest here's another interesting interesting study and here so this came from a book called the case for marriage and so these research these researchers took a group of people who said they were unhappy in their marriage but these people decided to stay for five years i think i've got this book and so when they remained in their marriage for five years those people who once reported they were unhappy 86 percent of them reported satisfaction in their marriage after they stayed five years and so number one you're going to need endurance and patience and don't don't throw in the towel just because you're unhappy about something right now right now and uh and so you're going to have to fight just like Nehemiah says hey everything is everything is down and so remember remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren your sons and your daughters your wives and your houses but in order for you to fight for your your sons your daughters your wives and your houses you got to remember the Lord first and he's got to be put first and and that's a big challenge. And so we want to uh, today. We've established there's a problem. Everybody knows there's a problem. But today, I wanted us to uh, for me and you to kind of look at how can we how can we build some legacy principles. What are some ways that we can keep our children faithful? I mean, I'm I'm up there with with guys in um and did this marriage retreat recently, and I'm sitting there with with an elder in the church. All these guys on the porch, and we're and we're having the family talk. We're having the guy talk, big boy britches, and um, and and then you know there's the elder who talks about he's got a faithful child, but he said I've got another one who's wayward, and he's talking about those challenges, and and then another guy speaks up and he says and who's who's got kids that are sixteen. 17 and 18 right now in his house and he's crying and he said he said what you say he said scares the mess out of me he said because i know he said i know how faithful your family is and he said i know of other people and he named a prominent preacher in the in the lord's church who's got an unfaithful child and i don't and and he's made this public and and hopefully this has changed by now i don't know but you know steve higginbotham he he wrote that book um prodigal or something like when that. when the prodigal is your son yeah and um and one but one thing that he said too about that was um steve or or the steve did this guy quoted steve from his book or just quoted steve period um you're just quoting steve because he preaches in knoxville yeah 
Carnes. And and so he used to preach at South Green Street. Uh-huh. So anyway, so they knew him, they knew him directly. And uh, but he said, um, you know, it's not a reflection on God. God made His children, and His children still rebelled. And so um, while we while we certainly we use the the uh, as an elder how he manages his household and does he have faithful children? Sometimes it's not a direct reflect though on on the parents. That sometimes that that I mean I know there's times whenever I rebelled from my family that I mean that was on me I knew I knew what was right and and you train that child the way she go and and uh so but he said you know Adam and Eve rebelled from God that was not a reflection on God so so wherever you're at today you know don't blame God for uh for if there's some kind of dysfunction in your family. Or if there's some kind of rebellion that goes on, and that it, it all boils down to selfishness when you when you begin with any sin, and so. Um, but certainly examine. What do you mean by that? Certainly examine what? So. <clears throat> oh, certainly the, examine the way, what's way, happening. Yeah, well, the way that you said that, and I know you didn't mean this, but the way you said that, it it would imply that you need to clear. We need to clear this up. That that um, you know, no matter what you do, your kids' life will turn out unfaithful anyways. I, I'm not trying to say that. Yeah. I know, I know, right. but but um, they, we we don't want to paint that picture. No, not at because all. Because then people may think, well, you know, I mean, it just ain't even worth trying, you know. But you know, I think that there's some important things that we got to understand. That while Adam and Eve did turn out faith unfaith, you know, they did have an unfaithful moment. While you know, we can look through history and see periods of. Of, and we don't have time to study this today, but we did a, a, a an in depth study on David mm-hmm. while we were there, and his parenting. Yeah. Oh man. And and um, I, I'm telling you, Bob, it was. I've read these verses ten thousand times, times ten thousand times about David, and and it was like these these verses just. I mean, they flat laid on like a ton of bricks. They'll and, jump out at you. And I'm telling you, when you when you're focused on it, and I thought about that very thing. That very thing there, that these verses end up becoming um, prominent only because we're focusing on a, a subject, mm-hmm. right? And then I thought, you know, water finds its own level always. 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 So so whatever I focus on is going to become important to me and my family. So, So I was thinking about this thing here. I can say a lot of things you know, whatever in my family. And I can talk about a lot of things and how, I mean, how many times, how many parents, Bob, have you sat with unfaithful children that are upset about it, right? Because they don't know why. And and one of their most common phrases is they were always what? We went to church. We were always in the church. So so you you brought this up too in a, in a recent meeting. So if I if I take my kids every every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night to Sunday school, mm-hmm. and Wednesday night class, and Wednesday night class, Bible class, they get forty five minutes, and that's that's if at six o'clock or six thirty, whenever the bell rings, they're coming through, and instantly, right? You the know, teacher starts. The teacher starts, right? And they get the forty five minute lesson. Forty five minutes, and I'm talking about from the ones that sit in those little buckets. You know the little yeah. What what's the age? What what's the time period starting? Zero. Zero. Cradle roll. I mean, like I did this from when I consider cradle roll. I'm talking about from hatch mm-hmm. all the way till they graduated high school. You know, like from age of eighteen. I just used eighteen as the number because mm-hmm. 
that's about the average age of 18. And the um, so go ahead. Yeah. So what what kind of what kind of Bible knowledge education could we expect our kids to have if we have them at Sunday school every time and Wednesday night service and we don't miss one and the teacher starts when the bell rings and they get 45 minutes worth of Bible. Yep. So I took an hour and a half a week, right? 45 minutes times two. 45 minutes times two times 52, and I did the math. And, you know, I, you know this is just a numbers thing for Chris, mm-hmm. you know. And I took that time. I just looked at how long our kids go to government school. Mm-hmm. You know, they go to government school from X amount of time in the morning to X amount of time in the afternoon equates to this amount of hours a day, right? And so I, what I did was I used that as a metrics of time, right, from 0 to 18, how much time they went to school, in government school, and then how much time they spend in Bible class, and they don't make it out of the first grade. Just let that sink in. Mm. If you go to school from zero to eighteen, you know, from kindergarten up to eighteen, right? That's the that's the time frame I used. But I used from Bible class from zero to eighteen. That means that you went to every Bible class, and I'm not talking about when you're sick, the teacher starting ten minutes late because they, they yapping, whatever the case may be. You know, whatever I'm talking about, you went to every single one of them. You didn't make it out of the first grade worth equivalent now i'm not a fan of government schools i mean i'll just put that on the table i'm not but i can tell you this right here that if you can make it through 12th grade in government schools you'll still be better equipped than you make it through the first grade in government schools yeah and what we do and so our kids are getting if we have them every single time our kids are getting a first grade Hour, hour by hour, an equivalent to a first grade education. A first grade education, and that's what what grade is that? Age is that like six, five or six years yeah. old, seven years old, six, maybe six, you know? seven. Mm-hmm. So that means like just think about this: turning a seven year old spiritually a loose in the world. In the world, turning a spirit a seven year old loose on a college campus. Turn, I mean, like like last night was Halloween for us, and I took you know Bo was like, Daddy, I want to go trick or treating. I was like, Okay. You know, we haven't been trick-or-treating in probably three years, like really going out doing it since we, you know, so I was like, okay, I'm going to take you tonight. So me and some of my friends, you know, like my neighbor, Andrew, you mm-hmm. know, we, we we put the hay on a trailer and rode them around, let them go around the neighborhoods. And, you know, the first thing you got to do when you get home is take the candy away from your kids. Yeah, check it. And Bo's like eight or nine. I can't remember how old he is. He's eight or something. Maybe he's nine. Daddy, why are you doing that? Yeah, why? Right. because he's not, he's not, he's not mature enough to eat the candy properly. And yet we, what we got to realize is that when we turn our kids loose and we just think that Bible class is the solution, then, then we're really setting ourselves up for failure. And that's far too great of a burden on a teacher. Yeah. That's far too great. And it was never God's design. The Bible class at best should be a supplement at best. It's a, it's a um, granola bar at three o'clock when you're Mm -hmm. starving, you know, that's what it is. And so it was never designed to live off of, well, you know, what happens in our families is that we don't think about the things that I've got to guard my kids against. The things that I want my kids to know absolutely are important. And, you know, we took some time this weekend with our boys and just went off and, and um, you know, I, you, you want to do litmus test, right? Mm-hmm. And. Because one of the class, one of the sessions we, you know, um, did was like how to discipline without. They used another D word, but like how to discipline without discouraging. Mm-hmm. You know how to discipline without discouraging, and the um. So I went off. You know, we went off with our boys, and you know, we just asked them all. 
kind of, you know, in their own way, like, do you think we love you? And I wanted to hear the way they answered it, you know. Do you think I want you to go to heaven? You know, those are those are the two things that I want. I want those are the two questions I want my kids to to be able to ask and answer. You know, honestly, without being a robot. What, right, exactly. I don't. I wanted to hear the way they answered it. I don't particularly care about the. I yes, care Daddy. About for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten. Or you take that kid that they they put on Oprah, and all he could right. do was shout, S- you scream know, and holler at. Hear ye, hear ye. The Lord, the word of the, the Lord, Lord, the God, the Lord is one. And yeah. they're like, yeah, well, tell me what it means to to know yeah. Jesus, and the kid can't say anything. So, so you know, we had those those chats with our boys, and and you could see the different levels in each one of them, you know, sure. in, in maturity, and and it was just for a litmus test mm-hmm. for us because, you know, the the idea of being scared, talk home, Bob, all of us are scared. Shoot, yeah. And and the reason why we're all scared is because the world is stacking up on us, and it's not that it's and it's because of these things. It's because of the breakdown of the home. I mean, just just think about in our church family. Now, I'm. I'm I'm not saying we don't have a great church family. I mean, they're awesome. But just think about how divorce, and I, and I know that I'm saying this of everybody that's listening. I'm not just saying this about mm-hmm. us at KW, mm-hmm. but think about how much divorce and the breakdown of the home, the 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 leadership. I mean, think about how it's affected every dynamic and every home in some kind of way. If Satan can't, if Satan can't get us on doctrine, he'll like because because we need men, we need men to serve as shepherds in the church. And and doggone it, we're just we're it's a struggle right now to try to find. I, and and some churches are placing in the next warm body who's not qualified. Yeah, they can fog up a mirror. That's right. And so and what what's happening is is if Satan he can't get his own doctrine, what he's going to do is he's going to break apart our homes. And so he's shifted away from from he, he understands he can't control what's said from the pulpits, but what he can control is what I'm doing every single day in my house. Jeremiah writes it like this, and this is the Lord responding to Jeremiah, and he says, if you've run with the footmen and they worried you, how can you contend with the horses? Mm. And if the land of peace in which you trusted, they worried you, then how will you join in the floodplain of Jordan? So so he's saying, if, if life... The footman. If life, the normal life, if you've given up on it, you hadn't had a backbone you need to have as a daddy, you hadn't made the things as important to you, mm-hmm. you will never survive when the going gets tough. You, when If you can't keep up with them on foot, you certainly ain't going to keep up with them when they're on a horse. And and so, so God is even drawing this conclusion, like, I gave you this land, this place, but but at the end of the day, you cannot... If you can't live in the land proper, if you just can't dig your gardens, if you can't just plant your wells, if you just can't repair your houses, you're never going to live when calamity comes. You will never make it. And so it's a daily fortification, Bob. You can't rush tomatoes and you can't rush people. Mm -mm. And so you got to do the same thing over and over again. You know, I got to get up in the morning and I got to love on my boys a certain special way. And you got to love on yours a certain special way. And 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 we got to do what's right for our family. You know, we cannot. There's a problem with this horizontal comparisons. And 
we can't worry about any of those things. It's just got to be about what's right for the Donovans, what's right for the tips, mm-hmm. what's right for filling your name when you're listening here. Yeah, we're not, and we are not uh, throwing shade at anybody. We're we say this all the time. We're in the punches of life. We're we're in this yeah. battle right now. Yeah, the reason why we're saying these things is because we struggle with them too, Bob. But we want you, <laughs> we want the person that's listening to remember these words. Hold on, hold on. This is not about being scared. Yes, you're going to be scared. This is not about being um, uh, some kind of dictator. No. What we're talking about is that you need to hold on. At the end of the days, you've got to hold on because water's going to find its own level. You can say all the things that you want to say. You can talk about all the things you want to talk about, but until you live them in your lives, until they're present in your home, until your kids see them, until they see you. And I ain't talking about dirty hands. I'm talking about being up to your eyeballs in it here. It ain't about just coming in, brushing off with your hands and going on. All in. All in. It'll it'll never find its own level. Peter said this. He said that God, the Lord Jesus, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who were kept by the power of God. That's what's going to hold your family together is the power of God, but you you got to release that control to him through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, that no, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. You're going to have them trials in life. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believe in you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Hope, hope, hope. Yeah, and my my faith, and oh, and the, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so your faith, it's more precious than than gold, he says, and it's more precious than riches. It's more precious than, than whatever it is, that dollar that, that you're chasing. You know, I, I talk to guys at different times about job things, and, and, uh, and you know, guys are goal-oriented minded so many times. Yeah. And I had to check myself all the time about not chasing after a dollar, not having aspirations of making more and more and more and more money because I understand that it's souls that, that the Lord is looking at and the souls that he's looking for. And that's my responsibility in life. And and so your faith, though, it's more precious than anything, and, and it's got to be invested in. Your children's faith has to be invested in, and then one day it's going to be tested. Your faith's going to be tested, and it's going to be tested in front, of, in front of your family. And one day your family's faith's going to be tested, and you're going to be watching on. And he says it's going to be tested by fire. And the and the idea is that in the end, when the Lord comes back, that it, it's got to be found to praise, honor, and glory. And I just I remember I remember hearing you pray in a prayer one time, and, and man, it just echoes in my mind all the time. And and I just want to tell, I shared this with somebody uh, the other day, and um, the words of your prayer, you you may or may not remember, it, but you said, Lord, just help us help her help my faith to outlive me by one day. And and we just want to hold on, and and so that's that's the idea that that we have to have is that man, my faith's got to be invested in, and, and we've got to we've got to keep going, keep going because you, the test is coming, and so many times we we procrastinate, and and I procrastinate, 
And um, so let's talk about what we need to do then. So number one, Colossians three and verse seven. No, let's see here. Verse twenty one says, "Fathers." I think we're down to like number four by now. <laughs> but yeah, it's on the daddy. Yeah, no, number next. Then how yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. You know, there's the wrath. Yeah, I mean it. it Ephesians six says that fathers provoke yeah. not your children to wrath, mm-hmm. but Colossians three says fathers do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. In other words, mm-hmm. that means don't drive them in a direction. You know, that's what they're talking about. You know, in Hebrews ten twenty five, let us love and provoke one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, let us to unto love and good works. Right? Is it Ephesians that says, I, but bring them up in the nurture, in the admonition. nurture and admonition? Yeah, yep. And so, but the idea of provoking is is the direction we're driving in the assembly. Was to help drive us in a direction, right? Mm-hmm. The provoke, you know, it's and, a reinforcement. Yep. And so, like I was thinking about this. This is something we were looking at this weekend. Like, look at Second Samuel thirteen with me. This is a pretty powerful thing. So here's one thing that we've got to remember. Number one, I mean, number one. I say that like I'm preaching. The one thing we've got to remember is that sin can never be tolerated in our homes. It can never be tolerated in our homes. Amen. So in 2 Samuel 13, this is the the uh, Amnon and Tamar scenario. You remember this? So uh, Somewhat, yeah. So Absalom has a sister named Tamar. Amnon, Absalom and Tamar are brother, uh, full brother and sister, mm-hmm. right? Amnon is half-brother to uh, Tamar and Absalom, right? And Amnon, he wants to lie with her, right? He wants to lie with her, yeah. right? So they go, they concoct this little scheme of how he can get with his sister. Yeah. He gets with her, and he hates her afterwards, right? And so then Absalom finds out about it. Absalom, you know, is going to kill. You know, he waits. You know, he, he kind of mm-hmm. lies in wait. And, and Dysfunctional family here, Holly, by the way. King David. King David. King David's boys. And he was a better man than me. And, but look what, look. So let's just pick up a verse 20. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard all of these things, he was very angry. Point, set, done. And that's it. You do not read David took any kind of, David took any kind of measures for punishment and any kind of reasoning in this. David was very angry, point set, done. And it came to pass after two years, Absalom kills his brother, okay? But Absalom, when he goes away, now the, the Absalom kills David him. longs for Absalom. But, but step Go back ahead. here. You know, Absalom kills his brother, and then Absalom goes and he lives with this guy. Let me see here. Where is it at? Um, it's going to be down here a little bit later. Yeah, Absalom fled to Gesher and the young man, and and he goes to this guy. Yeah, the son of Ana, Amehub, the king of Gesher. Do you know who this guy where, is? Where are you at? Verse thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're looking at uh, we're going on seven years now. If you kind of do the math here, all right. So Absalom has killed his brother. Now, now just step back now. Before Absalom, now Absalom is going to be like the guy that's going to. Try to overthrow. He's going to cause a civil war in Israel. He's going mm-hmm. to try to overthrow his daddy. I mean, all the problems is going to happen. Absalom. This is where it's created. Okay, this is the story where he's created. When David sees Absalom kill his brother, he does nothing about it. 
David's mad at him. David, this whole hubbub, he goes and look what he does. Absalom fled and went to Telemai, the son of Amahud, the king of Geshur. You know who that is? No. That's his grandpa. That's his and Tamar's mama's daddy. David had taken their mama as a wife as kind of a political, mm-hmm. you know, a marriage of convenience or whatever. He flees and lives with, lives with his grandpa for this amount of years right here. And this is where Absalom was created. David created Absalom. Absalom was a blank sheet just like every one of our kids were. We cannot, Bob, we cannot tolerate sin in our homes. I've heard this, this um, I guess these words echo in my mind with this verse. When David heard of these things, he was very angry. Nothing else happened. Nothing. The The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. So, so let me just tell you, daddies. It's okay to be angry with sin in your house, but that better not be the end of it if you want a legacy. There's got to be faith. Faith's that evidence. So so there's got to be fruit. If if there's something wrong in the home, fix it. Got to be action. That mean make sure the proper discipline is administered. And you may not have the exact you might not have the exact way in that moment, like but do something. Yeah, yeah, and it's not about and like you're you're going to mess it up sometime and you know, I know the world tells us things like don't spank your kids. Don't just, you know, like, I'm just going to tell you, you cannot reason with a three-year-old with love. Like, like that makes me feel bad. They don't care. They're Email three. me if you need verses on discipline for the home. I, hit us on Messenger. I, you know, we got the thing that flashes up here now. Hit, hit us up. Ben, you put that up right quick. If you got a question, reach out to us. I don't know if you got the exact details or whatever. But, uh. But my email, roberttips at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit us up at, uh, at at our church website, any of those things. But he who, he who spares the rod hates his son. The, you know, the, the words and the direct words in the Bible are not he who spares the rod, spoils the child. That's not direct words in the Bible. It says he who spares the rod hates his son. Yep. And so you cannot, if you want a legacy, the first thing you got to do is, is you got to realize that they start out as a blank sheet of paper. And, and whatever gets written on it while they're in your home is is a, is in your control by and large. Now, I'm not saying that you put them in a box and let them out when they're 20 because that's, not, that's mm-hmm. not it. What We're struggling with how to introduce technology to our kids now. I mean, like, like the phone scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, we got our kids one phone that they share this year for the first time because, I mean, we call this thing a phone. Mm-hmm. But, shoot, how much do we really use it for a phone? Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's minimal what we right. really use it for a phone. Yep. Really, it's our – it's you know, the – the the uh, we learned a lesson this year. You know, we thought that maybe it was time to let Aiden as he's getting into some more advanced math. And I don't know how you guys do it to use the calculator. But we learned that he's regressing doing that. Mm. He's not he's not the recollection of his multiplication tables and things that he should know, you know, like formulas and, and things like that should are not are not the recall is not as quick. And so we've had to step back, mm-hmm. right? And I remember Jessica and I were talking about that, like, well we gotta we gotta step backwards now. And 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 I said, You remember when the teacher said, uh, you're not always gonna have a calculator in your pocket? You're on up. You're like, well, you're wrong, right? We all have one. So we're struggling with technology. We're struggling. And and so we had to get our kids a, a phone. You know, when they go off with y'all to, like, y'all were taking them to the um, beach this weekend mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. when y'all went up to where it go ever, whatever yeah. you're going to do, you know, disaster relief or something like that, and they're off with you. Well, those are, 
those are times when it, we'd like to be in touch with them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so we got them a phone, but it doesn't have any internet or any kind of way that you can get online with it. Yeah, and and, and I and I'm I'm put on here um, with our. I mean, I just redid our cell phone policy for our for our youth. And uh, you mean your your kids? No, for the youth of the church. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And uh, sent that out. I sent the email out this morning. Your your wife already she's already a. Filled y'all's out, so but you can go in there and read you know, it too. You know it's always Jessica, don't you? Yeah, that's right. Oh, she she's on it, man. She's <laughs> good. But you you know go in there and, and read it too, and uh and it's just and that's I, I set and for the permission form for this trip, it says your kid's phone will not be with you in their room. There, all the phones are going to be uh, out on a table in a public area. They will not have access to their phone late at night. That they're going to be in a common area. They're they're. This is not a place for them to game and all these things. And there's there's all these challenges that we have with these phones, and um that aren't phones that aren't phones. And uh and so one thing, uh, if you're looking for resources, uh, this is something that I do with my kids, and it's not bulletproof. Uh, I I have um road to hell's paved with good intentions. I had intentions to send out an email yesterday to the church about some things, and this is one of them. I looked for it. I didn't see it. Yeah, I, I thought maybe. I didn't send it, and uh, I got to working on. Man, I'm telling you, like a uh, Beth got me on these Google Docs, and I started making forms yesterday for the youth just to make it easier for our parents and easier for me. Beth's such an awesome. She's person. She's so awesome. Did I, did I, I tell you did, what she I did, did about I, the Halloween? I did all this research. Well, that's what she said. She said, you know, I did this. I said, how many did you get? She's like 20. <laughs> and she tells me how many responses that we got through you the trunk of tree. everybody, except for one person on there, said, I'd like to know more about the church. That's awesome. And and so we had somebody step in and say, "We're I want to make sure everybody, because what we were going to do with our trunk of tree this year, kind of for those listening, is that. I want to say all that. We're using technology. Yeah you know, for our advantage. Mm -hmm. And so we used everybody's phone, you know, for the glory of the Lord. That's so everybody right. that came through, hey, just scan our QR code. We'd like to get to know you. Exactly. And, and push information to and you. Push, and Beth, she created that Google Doc. She extrapolated the data or exported it, whatever, mm -hmm. into a, a, a Excel file. Yep. And and Beth and I created a list of ladies, you know. Yeah. So they called two. They, I gave each lady two people on that list and they're going through calling those folks and, and inviting them to our Sunday night meal, you know, and you saw the one absolutely that I sent that the uh, good feedback. Yeah. I mean, so, and so Beth got me started on that. So I didn't even send out this email, but, but back to the thing for, uh, for your social media, your phones, the, your kids device, one, you can get on your kids on their iPhone right now and go to screen time. And there's part of screen time down in those settings where you can put to where your child cannot search um explicit material you can type in um pornography you can type in body parts you can type in different things and it will not allow them to search it unless they have a passcode passcodes can be broken they can they can be revealed so make your sure. passcodes so anyways that's one way that you can protect your your kids even your teens um don't give them the four digit passcode for any reason and don't and you said this too I, I know that you've talked about this uh with uh is that um you know talking about parenting and not don't tell your kids no because it's just an inconvenience for you in that moment right and and uh and that's the same way when it comes to discipline and and discipline is not just spankings discipline right. is i need to have these structured things in my life well part of discipline not taking their phone away from them but helping them not have the temptation to begin with the second thing is 
that you can help it is uh this will cost you a hundred dollars a year and it's it's a it's a thing called bark and uh, b-a-r-k and so what happens is if there's something that's bad that happened it's going to bark to daddy and it's going to tell dad if if aiden's on the phone so aiden can't get online but somebody could text aiden something explicit well if Carson, so like if carson text aiden something bad on his phone on his phone and and as long as the phone is monitoring and i don't know all the details with this i'm still learning with it but it barks to me if there's a if there's uh there was something that that came up on carson's thing um he was on a group message and another dad was on there and all that was mentioned was uh just something about it it, it ended up being nothing but it was something that that bark thought might have been violent nature or whatever right. and so it just notified me and like then it, i'm gonna kick your tail and it screen like and it screenshot it and sent sends it to me and that was on a text message mm-hmm. we're not we're not keeping track of people's text messages today right so any account that he has of course a kid can make a fake account sure but if, if he's got a social media account, which he does not, the only social media he has is YouTube. But if he's got YouTube or if your kid has Facebook or whatever, it'll bark. You link those in. You can even ask your kid, we want your help with this. And, and all it is is just a thing. It's, it's not a regulation. All it is is it's a way that we can use this. He's, he's reaching age now to where, you know, we, we have our kids. We want to prepare them for leaving and talk to them about these choices that they're making. And and Why? it, it right. legacy exactly, and it just generates conversation. Um, and, and, and and so let's be sure that we understand what we're talking about here. We're not talking about let's go back to kind of re- not spying on my kid, not spying on my kid. You know, we're doing these things because what we're trying to do is is help them to become the person they need to be as early as they can, so that they can fight against the people that the world's going to try to make them be when they're on their own. We want our kids to soar when they leave the nest, but then, we're not we're not challenging them. Of course, we all want to say my kids are faithful, right? Yeah. That's a blessing, right? But that'll pale in comparison to eternity when they're with us in heaven. If, if you're showing up at the garage and calling yourself a car, you're not a car. Right. If you're showing up, if your kids are showing up at the building and you're saying that they're a motorcycle, that they're a Christian, they're not the the fruit's going to come out of that. You put a dog in a duck parade, but it's still a dog. Still going to be chasing them ducks, right? And and, and so uh, I heard this this uh, message, and I, I've probably said this on this podcast or whatever before, but that when talking about the the golden eagle, you know, we're here with a we've got them here at USM, and and that mama eagle, they build their their nest way high up in the mountains and on, the, on these cliff tops. And you can Google Golden Eagle. They'll take deer off of the, these cliff tops and kill them or whatever anyway. This thing must be huge. Well, all they have to do is if you get a 20-pound bird flying at 40 miles an hour and he grabs a deer and, and or this goat who's standing on the mountain, all he has to do is grab him for a second and get him off balance. The yep. deer falls to his death and the eagle goes down and does what it's supposed to do. That, that wasn't the whole illustration. But anyways, if you're, uh, if you're into looking at crazy things, you can go <laughs> look that up too. But it may end up on bark. <laughs> but this, when they have these eaglets, or whatever they're called, that sounds right. One day, the mama comes in to the to the nest, and she rips out everything that makes them feel soft, that makes them feel good. You mean in the nest? In the nest, she takes the rabbit fur out. She takes her feathers out. She takes all this stuff out that she's put in there to make them feel good and warm. 
and makes the makes it to where if they're going to lay down, it's going to poke them mm-hmm. and it's going to hurt them to where they have to perch because mm-hmm. she knows one day they're going to need to use them talons. Right. Well, one day she she singles one of them out and kicks them out of the nest, and this thing's falling, flapping its wings, and the mom and dad work together. And the daddy, before this thing falls to his death, swoops down and grabs a little eaglet up and brings him back and puts him in the nest. And you think, man, these animals are crazy. <laughs> He's telling the rest of them, like, man, I just thought I was going to yeah, make it. I man. thought I was going to make it. <laughs> daddy, and, help me. And so I could have this beautiful story, you know, and the father comes down and swoops down and grabs him up. But you think about in real life, what that is is, is we have to put things in our children's lives that that when we have to put challenges in you know and in each time each one of those falls they're flapping their wings where they're getting stronger so that one day they'll be able to soar on their own well i can't decide when my kid's 18 that that he's going to be able to soar you know people talk about uh homeschool kids and not getting interaction with people that's baloney oh that's a garbage and and so uh let them hang around our kids yeah when when uh Coleman, if he want he wanted to get some pallets the other day from a from a, a place that he saw, so he can build a fort with them. And um, well, as expensive as wood is, it's like, yes, yes sir, sir, we're gonna do that. <laughs> and so he's like, Dad, can you call him? Nope, you're gonna call him. <laughs> right. And so he has to call this establishment to get to to. And so that's that's interaction. Well, when when we have stuff for our kids, you know, we've showed them a few times. We'll take food across the road to a neighbor, whatever. I'm not sending my kid cold turkey to somebody I don't know in that circumstance. But later on, it's like, you need to run this over to these old people. You need to run this over to these. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, you're going to go and you're going to interact with them. You're going to knock on the door. You're going to talk to them. But we have to put them in situations, period, to where there's going to be adversity and challenges. That's, that's biblical, Bob. Listen, listen to the way this. I was studying with a guy yesterday about this very thing. And listen to the way James lays this out. James 1. James 1. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now listen to this. Knowing. That means it's an absolute, right? Know this. Like, hey, just want you to know this is going to happen. Knowing this, that the testing of your face produces patience. So let's think about the let's think about the diagram flow, the workflow here, right? Mm-hmm. Know this. The testing of your face produces patience. It's always healthy to ask the questions, to turn over the rocks. It's never healthy to sow wild oats. That's not what he's talking about there. He's not talking about like, you know, just try, you know, the Amish do this thing where they send their kids out amongst the, what they call the English mm-hmm. and then see if they come back home. See if they come back. Well, that's not what we're talking mm-hmm. about here. What no. God is talking about is putting your kids in situation, putting yourself in situations, people being in situations, knowing this, the testing of your faith produces patience. So you got to test your faith. So you got to have this thing instilled in us first, this understanding of what substance and evidence. I got these things in my life that have to that I know are absolute. I know that the Bible records these things. If I do these things, I can expect these outcomes. Knowing this, the testing of your faith, the things you understand, the things that you put in practice in your life produces patience. So first of all, you got to have faith. Then that produces patience. The test will produce something if you allow it. That's right. And then secondly, look what he says, but let patience have its perfect work. It's got to work. It's got it's got to take time. Right? So patience, and it says, then you may be complete, perfect, lacking nothing. So just think about this. As a parent, we've got to be patient. We don't have there's not an adult in your twelve year old's body. It's not, even though we want it to be. Mm-hmm. 
They're going to do stupid things. Patience is not about, patience is about the outcome and not the middle come. Patience is about the outcome. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the testing of your faith. May, when when the Lord appears, that you may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus. That's the end. That's right. So that's what you're seeing is patience really means. We think about patience as the waiting. That's not what patience. It's the is. enduring. It's it's the seeing the end because of the endurance. Mm-hmm. So patience isn't is is the outcome and not the middle come. You know, I have to tell myself this all the time. Yeah. You've got these details in the middle that you need to do to get this outcome. These middle things are what consume me. These middle things are what drive me crazy. I, I'm, I'm just a, and I'm not making excuses for my actions, but I'm just a, an A, B, C, D, E. That's mm-hmm. just a way that my mind works. That's the way college football works, you know, and they're talking about. Can we quit this? If you're expecting, well, it's just the truth. If you're expecting results on game day, you've had to, you've had to put those things in. Kirby Smart, he said this this week, and I don't know if anybody likes Kirby or doesn't like him, but he's efficient and he's smart. Um, no he, pun intended. Where's he at? He's at Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, he um he just said that somebody asked him, they said, uh, so how's your team going to get ready for, for Tennessee's fast offense? You know, are you doing some extra conditioning for them? He said, listen, if my boys aren't conditioned by now – he said, like, he's like, we're not we're not working on their conditioning this week. He's like, we work on this thing. We've been working on it for a long time. Right. And because there's going to be a test that's going to come. That's how come they want to know how many starters are returning. That's why everybody wants to know how many's going pro, how many's going to return. Yeah. Right? How many people have put in the time that now can produce out of it what we expect? Well, you know, we've got to do that with our kids. We've got to help them understand. Listen, the home is the best place to make a mistake. Yeah. I'm not saying, and we got to make it the best place to make. That's a what I'm saying. The yeah. home is the best. If you got the environment, because your kids, like I tell mine, like we can always come back from a mistake, but we can't come back from a lie. Yeah, you can't hide it. You can't. You can't. You know, try to cover it up. You can't be David and, and Bathsheba. You have got. If you come clean, we can fix it. That doesn't not mean that there aren't consequences because we can't allow certain things in our home. But know this: that the trying of your faith. Produces patience. Yeah, me as a daddy, I've got to, I've got to produce that safe place. Look at verse nineteen of James one. I'm so glad you brought this up. So then, my beloved brethren, let let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so, when I if I'm going to produce, I've, I've got to be able to listen to my children, listen to their mistake, be slow to wrath about it. And use those things as teaching moments. But it starts with me and my wife as well, that with the home, that I've got to be slow to speak, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And, and that's something that two ears, one mouth. Every every single one of us have, have we gotta be masters of our tongue. So uh I'm glad you brought this up. If if uh you know, yesterday and in, in, in uh or Sunday, we did ten vampire proofs for your marriage, and it was all from the book of James one. And uh, and so there's ten vampire proofs for our marriage uh, from James one. You can go on uh, Kensington Woods and you can listen to that sermon if you want to. And and, and th- those are principles that that are brought out that that you know I got to be I got to be a master of my tongue. We've got to master this thing. And uh, well, you don't master a craft by not working on it. Yeah, but but just think it's not going to miraculously di- happen. But think about the difference. Like like it was an interesting thing for me to watch you weld. 
you know, those uh, things that you made the other day. Chris, Ben, Chris was so – he's so good at welding that he's over there studying for his Bible lesson, and then he he bases, he knows how my weld's going to be based on the sound of it. Well, I've just done it for so long, but but you exactly. Gotta realize, but you got to realize, like I've studied for many, many, many Bible lessons with welding noise I in know. the background. And in my Chris lifetime. was Chris was so um, he it was he really just wanted to say that I need to work on my Bible lesson. Really, what it was was he didn't want he he had to let me and my immaturity of welding he had to step away from it is really what was, i was like i know what chris is doing right now he knows that if he stands right here he'll want to take it and just right. do it but but that but i also understood you know and, and i do that as a daddy mm-hmm. you know like i have to make i have to walk away because i want it to be there's a there's a perfectionist in chris mm-hmm. right and so like the the you know, I just had to walk away, and like the only the, the best, and and I watched it. You just got better as you went along. Mm-hmm. You improved your process. You improved your the way you held it. You improved everything about it. But the only way you did it, Bob, by learning, was just mistakes. doing it. You yeah. know, just just burning your hand and doing stuff stupid. And and by the end, you were knocking them out. And and I knew that would happen. And I knew that that I'd given you all the things that you needed. But the rest of it, it's like Bob. Let me give you a manual on how to ride a bicycle. Let me just give you this manual on how to ride this bicycle. Like, like if you ever wanted to know if your kids are ready to ride the bike, let me give you a perfect example. We were sitting out on the porch one day, and Bo said, I'm going to take uh, my training wheels off. He said, I want to take my training wheels off. I said, okay, uh, I'm not kidding you. He went to the shop, got the wrench, took his own training wheels off, and took off riding. And I told Jessica, I was like, well, if you ever wanted to know if they're ready to ride about training wheels, when they, when they say I'm going to take them off myself, they're ready to go. He, now, he's not like 18. He's 14. <laughs> he's 14 now. No, I'm just kidding. I think yeah. he was like six or seven. Right. And, and you realize that good like – Good job, Bo. Yeah, you're like, good job. You know, it's kind of a proud – you know, to him, it was mm-hmm. just like, I just need to do this thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, good job. You know, and, and like, you know, you with your welding thing, I, we've done this many a times together now. Well, you know, I knew that this was a great time for you to get practice because you were in kind of a janky – set up you know where you only had a weld a, a inch or a half, half, inch. half inch yeah a half inch long spot and so that's not a good training ground mm-hmm. but it's a good one to get blisters on it's a good one to learn like okay these are the things i got to do and so you did a great job but but you know you did it because you did it mm-hmm. so so it's going to be the same thing with our kids we got to let them understand what life is going to have for them listen i'm not scared of the of the world's talk on evolution to my kids i'm not mm-hmm. the reason why so many kids get carried the reason why so many parents get scared about these things is because they haven't had the talks with their kids about mm-hmm. them and shown them the truth about well, them. and those parents aren't they're not trained in it and so i had a trainer sitting over there who was experienced sitting in a chair that if i needed you i could go hey uh what should i do in this situation because yeah. sometimes the the welding wire comes out of the tip and and well, I didn't know what I needed to do in that moment. And I said, what do I do on this thing? You're like, grab them welding pliers over there and grab them out, took the tip off, pulled it out, cut it. This is the length that you need it. Put it back on. You went and sat back in your chair. And so I needed you in that moment. And that's and so we've got to – but if I'm not building a, a legacy of swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, then then I'm not going to be building a legacy where it where it is a safe place for them to learn. Well, that's just the example is that, you know, like the reason why I know what a good whale sounds like is because I've heard them so many mm-hmm. times. And and so, like, that that's a that's an illustration that you can use in every way in your life. Listen, you don't need book chap Daddies, listen to me. Listen to me real close because you may not know every book, chapter, and verse in your life, but if something doesn't sound right, it's probably not right, period. Mm-hmm. You investigate it right then, okay? If something doesn't sound right. Now, I can listen to somebody welding, 
And I can say that's not a good weld, and it's because it doesn't sound a certain way when they're welding a certain type of, of material. And so there's going to be things that are going to come up in your life, and you're going to think like, I don't know about this. I need to think of something doesn't sound. That's okay to say pause right now. I could have went over there mm-hmm. and, and, and Bob could have been welding just fine. You know, you could have been welding just fine, but it didn't sound right to me. Mm-hmm. And I know what a good weld should sound like. Now it could be a environmental factors. It could be somebody yeah, working. Oh, I've learned from lots of things on that. One is or if I'm not close enough to the weld. Another thing is if I don't have a good enough connection, I didn't know those things that day. Yeah. And so, so those things are just, those are just things that, that produce the right thing. Right. And so I've done it so long. I know what it sounds like. Daddies, I'm just going to tell you the, the reason why God gave you sons after you were, after you were big is because you had to go is growing up. You talk about the stories about growing up after you've done it, yeah. right? When I was growing up, listen, use the thing God's gave you. You want a legacy? God's given you a mind. He's given you a heart. And, and I guarantee you, if you're still listening to this podcast right now, he's given you a passion. And here's another thing too. And I, we're so tempted to end these podcasts. All right. And, and, but I do want to say another thing too, is humility is so big. Like our Savior Jesus was so humble. I mean, the, the way he came to the earth, the way he treated people, the way he, he talked in actions and things. And so, but the one thing about our Savior is, though, is he didn't mess up, but he still chose to be humble. Well, I mess up, and that gives me even more opportunities to be humble. And so, right now, I'm teaching Carson. By the time he hears this podcast, he's going to know the result of this. But, but he has something special that was very expensive that he bought as an investment. And in and, and helping me, he made a mistake that I make a lot of times. His mind got sidetracked, and he left the thing outside overnight. And while it was not a danger to, to anything to anybody or whatever, this this airsoft gun looks like a uh, it looks like a real gun. And he left this thing out overnight. And so while he while he made this mistake though. Courtney called me this uh, today, and she's like, so what I did is, is I took his gun, and I hid it. And I'm not going to say on the podcast where I hid it. In case. He asked me if I put it in the gun safe. I said, nope. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and so when he asked me a question, I didn't lie to him. I asked him more questions. Mm-hmm. And, and so this, uh, he, Dad, have you seen it? Well, what would you do with it? Right. <laughs> right. So I didn't lie to you, son. Right. And I know he's going to listen to this podcast. But but she called me and she said, "You know that like what what you're teaching him is that this is a mistake that you make too." And I said, "I know that." And I said, "This is going to be an opportunity for me to have my hat in my hand and and have a humble heart and talk to my son about daddy makes this mistake too." And I want you to know that, that God sometimes is really gracious to us and doesn't allow some things to be stolen away from us. And but but I have to this is something I have to work on all the time. I mean, I told y'all today, what what did I come here and what am I missing right now? And Courtney Your finally wallet. my wallet. Yeah. So right. I spent the last but, but I also told you that like they make these tags because I have the same problem over and over and over again. You know, there's like four things I lose constantly. My knife, keys. my keys, my wallet, and my gun. Yeah. You know, I can't right. remember where I put my gun at. And so those things are just constant. So, you know, for $100, Samsung will supply you, for us Android guys, a little tag you can put on thing, and it'll always tell you the geolocation of it. Hey. And if you're in your room, you can use your camera, and it'll tell you, like, it'll, it'll even pinpoint it on your camera. So you can put a tag on something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, a Samsung. I don't know about y'all stuff. Yeah. Know? 
and, I know uh, you got those little tags that Apple can do or whatever. But either but, way, you know, like, but Bob, even though. But so, yeah, I get to be humble and, and I get to use that. And so I told her, I said, honey, you, you understand, like, this is not something I'm going to be yelling at him about. This is not something that I'm going to be, like, breathing down his throat about. I'm going to be able to talk to him with humility with, with with mistakes that I make. And I don't want you to make these same mistakes, too. And we got to put things in our lives to, to work on. And that's fine. You know, and, and there's here, here's a lie that Satan tells us. I know we're, we. We've been at it for a while. When you now. think you're not good enough, look at Rahab. Yeah, and God will use you. Listen, man, like, like that. There is no doubt, and this idea, like, people will say, like, well, I've heard parents say, well, like, I did the same things. I don't feel like, I, listen, I do the same things, mm-hmm. and I still have to discipline my kids. Just because I'm struggling with it at 40, is because it wasn't disciplined out of me properly. Yeah. So, so, so the right solution is then to let my kids go through these same foolish, you know, like fumbling along at 40 years. No, I don't want them to do that. So it's not I'm being hypocritical. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saving you the headache at 40 of having to do this with your kids. I told my kids Saturday morning, y'all got to get in here. You got to clean this room up. And guess what? I shut my door and started cleaning my room too. Yeah, I mean, it's just at the end of the day, that's just what it boils down to. It's not that you're not being hypocritical. If, you, if you're hypocritical and you say, go clean up your room, and then you just lay on the bed in your underwear and mm-hmm. play, you know, Eat, uh, eat Cheetos and play yeah, Xbox yeah, till yeah. four in the afternoon. Yeah, I mean that's that's completely hypocritical. But that's not what you're saying. You know, you're saying like like just because. Listen, you know, we're going to go evangelize. Okay, I need to get better at that. Like, I feel like I just need to keep doing it and keep growing mm-hmm. in it. I'm I'm gonna so boys. You need to study your Bible more. The the older I get, the more I feel like I just want to study and study and study and let it consume me. And it's not that that I don't study my Bible, but I know that I got to keep growing in it. Just like you know that you're better at picking up your stuff than Carson is. You know that, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you're that you're perfect in it. But that what that means is you're trying to perfect it in Carson. Yeah, he's got to he's got to get to the point that he has the drive to do it himself and doesn't have to be told to do it. Yeah, and so none of these things are wrong. I mean, what you, what you're talking about is imperfect people. God called elders, you know, to be these yeah. people that could rule the 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 shepherd of the church. These are imperfect people. Peter denied Jesus and John. They they all scattered. They all walked away. One run away naked. For Pete's sake, one wanted to run away naked in that in that event, and he's got a he had to be in the upper room in the Book of Acts. You know, everybody was there but Judas because they had to swap his spot with mm-hmm. Matthias. So the dude that ran away naked, I don't know who that was, but one of them ran away naked, and he's got to stand there and look the rest of them in the eye and think, you know what? I'm always going to be the one. I'll know it, and he'll remember it more than they will. Transfer transformation doesn't happen overnight. You gotta you gotta work at it. And Peter was not, and he was not ready to be an elder. The, the day that Jesus restored him. That's right. And but 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 Jesus knew the potential, and That's he right. and he saw it in him and said, "Feed my sheep, Peter. That's Take right. care of my church." And so sometimes I think on this podcast, and we may have did this today too. And if you're still listening to this point, there is there is no place that's better to have your children than in the church and active in the church and constantly in the church. The but success it's got, rate goes through the roof. It's got to be in the home first, and that's all that we implement. That's what we're talking about. Chris and I both gave up careers and gave up our time with our families. We don't sit on the pews with our kids. Will not sit on the pews with their grandparents because of how much we love the church and how much we want souls to be saved. And so we gave it up. and We moved states away to to work with the church, and we love the people at KW and 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 how much their influence in our children's lives. And I'm telling you what, I mean. There's, there's, this is not no way, shape, form, or fashion um, bragging about ourselves. But I want to brag on the church. 
that I know personally that me and you've had offers to go other places to preach, but it, the the influence of our people at this place, man, it it dry, it is the number one driving factor for me, and 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 not and choosing not to go somewhere else. Yeah, the grass may be greener somewhere else, but I know I got good grass here. And, and yeah, when when you when when you look at uh Ecclesiastes and Solomon talking about you know you got two birds in the you know one one bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Yeah, and and there's so much wisdom in that. So use what you have, use what's right in front of you, and no way, shape, form, or fashion are we degrading the church. And but the home's got to be primary, and the church has got to be secondary for and it us. It will be. Yeah. If you make the home a primary, the church will be a secondary. Well, and period, it's going to be that way. That's what I'm saying. The byproduct of that is going to be there's going to have a strong church. Period. Yeah. You or or you're home. going to have a weak church. If if the if the home is not primary in the Bible, it's mm-hmm. going to be it's going to be primary in something. Either it's going to be in, in God or it's going to be in whatever. Right. I'm passionate about Tennessee football, but my kids understand. They they know they know what comes first. That's right. And and so my passion and that's the other thing is my passion for my sports. I we we've talked about this before too that I can rattle off stats or whatever. I mean I can I can tell you that Tennessee scored more points against Alabama than what anybody has since nineteen oh six. But but that but but if I can't tell them if I can't tell my kids uh if if they don't know things about the Lord in particular people's lives, and if they're not seen and evident, if we're not life, forming the character that they need to be in their lives, the world will. I'm failing. You're failing. So hey, we appreciate you guys, and we we've not we've not mastered it all, and and obviously right. we've not mastered it on this podcast. But, but listen, we hope that we gave you something. You work on mastering it too, because we'll all do it to be together better that and, way. And however we can, uh, if we can do something better, uh, hit us up, comment, leave your com- uh, hit the like, hit the button, hit all that stuff, and uh, share this with people if you think they need to hear it.